What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thank you for tuning in. It's fun to come to you from the Story House here in Nashville, Tennessee, and to be uh, coming to you live, not just audio, but video as well. So if you're watching this, here I am, and here we are, and it's going to be a good day. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation that I'm going to get to have with somebody who I have just a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for. We're going to be talking about her latest book, her 13th book, by the way. Um, She just is a deep well of wisdom and knowledge when it comes to uh, all things parenting. And uh, I'm super thankful for her influence on my life. But first, I want to remind you that uh, the My Story, Your Glory Tour is hitting the road this fall. I sure hope you'll come and see us. We're going to be in 20 cities across the country. Let me find out where I'm going to be, okay? I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what you can do. You can go to MatthewWest.com. Typing it in right now, my own website. And then you click on the tour button. I just clicked on it. Actually, you don't even need to click on the tour button because right on the front page, it says the My Story, Your Glory Tour, Fall 23 with special guest Micah Tyler. And here's where we're going to be, folks. We're going to Missouri. Hallelujah. Cincinnati, Ohio. Lexington, Kentucky. Grove City, Ohio. Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Clarksville, Tennessee, which is not far from Nashville. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. Ashland, Kentucky. Richmond, Virginia. Back to Ohio. How many Ohio shows? Indianapolis, Blakely, Pennsylvania, Portland, Maine. Oh, Portland, Maine. Gorgeous. And I will be eating multiple lobster rolls that day. Never mind on that one. That show's already sold out. Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. uh, we're, We're going, basically. Savannah, Georgia, Ormond Beach, Florida, Birmingham, Alabama. Come on, guys. It's going to be awesome. So, Um, Some Christmas dates have been announced as well, um, but I hope you'll come and join us on the road this fall. Uh, Thanks for all the love and support with the My Story, Your Glory double album. That's out now, all 22 songs. You can listen to that wherever you listen to music. And let's get into the show today. My guest today uh, has been a friend of the West family. Um, My wife and I wrote an endorsement for her latest book. Um, She's been a, a tremendous help and uh, just a great source of wisdom for the West family. And today she's uh, here to share with you. And uh, I think it's a very important topic. We're talking about uh, just how to navigate parenting in this crazy world right now. And uh, Nashville was struck by a tragedy not long ago at Covenant School. A school shooting took place and uh, we're going to touch on some of those hard topics as well. How do we how do we walk with our kids through um, the stories that are being written with their lives? So let's go to the story house with my friend, the author of the new book, The Worry-Free Parent, Sissy Goff. Sissy Goff. Matthew West. It's an honor to have you at the Aww. story house. I'm so honored to be in the story house. I'm holding, I'm holding a book. It looks familiar. 
It's a brand new book of yours, The Worry-Free Parent, Living in Confidence So Your Kids Can Too, book number 13 for you. Yes. I, I'm humbled to be in your presence. How, <laughs> how do you how write 13 How many albums books? do you have? I don't think I have maybe eight or nine albums. Well, same. Still. Same. But books are a whole different thing. Labors you, of love, right? All of it, yes. How long, yes. just let's, how long does it take you to write every page of this book? Like what, how long was this process? It's many, you're, every book and story is months and years in the making, sure. right? Cause you're drawing from experience, but yes, I would say five ish to six ish months. Five ish yeah. to six years. Yes. Do you always add the ish to things? Is that- <laughs> No, it's more because I can't remember anymore, but yes, somewhere around there. Um, this is an incredible book and my wife and I uh, personally endorsed, endorsed it. it, which I was so grateful for. Congratulations on, uh, on the release of your 13th book. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you. And is this book more for the, my kid's anxiety or my anxiety or both? That's my first question. I won't say yours, but the parental anxiety. Yes. I wrote one about kids' anxiety and I just kept sitting with parents who kept saying, I think I'm making it worse. I don't know what to do. And so that would be me raising my hand. Well, I don't know that that's true, but, but you, but you feel like you are sometimes, right? Yes, sure. So Absolutely. this is about the parent, like div- discovering their own anxiety Right. Doing their own work. Because doing I, their own work. Yes. Because I believe really the best thing you can do for your kids is do your own work. And speaking of doing your own work, you have a ministry called Daystar Counseling. So you have parents bringing their kids to you on a daily basis, right? Yes. I've been counseling kids and families there for 30 years. For 30 years. Yes. Did you start Daystar? No. Melissa Trevathan started it in 1985. Okay. And I came on staff in 93 as a Vanderbilt intern. Okay. And I've been there ever since. So you got your degree at Vanderbilt? My master's. Mm-hmm. Your master's. Yes. Undergrad, University of Arkansas. I'm a Razorback. A Razorback. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you have Vandy. Like, are, are you like, which team do you choose? Oh, Razorback. Really? Sure. Razorback? Not much all of a way? Commodore. No. I feel like the Vanderbilt fan base is small. Yeah. <laughs> no, they we love Vanderbilt. We love you, Vanderbilt. But. But you're more academics there. You're not yes. cheering for the football team. Right. Much. And I grew up in Little Rock and. I think my grandfather didn't miss a home game for 78 years or something. Would wear his red and white plaid pants and his red sport coat and a razorback tie, his white patent leather shoes every game. Like you can picture it when you close your eyes. I could picture <laughs> it just with that description. <laughs> I know. The, so, see, that's why you write books because you can paint a picture like well, that. So yeah. did you discover your desire to specifically, one, to be a counselor, but specifically to, to work with children when did you first experience that sort of vision or desire growing inside of your heart and mind as far as this is my calling in life? Well, when I was growing up, I did not know a person who was in counseling. No one was talking about it. I mean, I'm older than you, but remember when, I mean, you were Uh, growing up too, probably no one was talking about it much. I was a preacher's kid and I remember it was like, if counseling was ever mentioned, it was like, oh, so-and-so's in counseling. Like, oh, their marriage has hit that point. Yes. yes. It, was, it, was, it was a little more taboo almost. Right. Right. Back then. Yeah. And I mean, it was so taboo when I was growing up, no one even talked about it. I, there was, 
I watched a soap opera when I was in high school called Days of Our Lives. <laughs> and there was a These child psychologist. These are the days of our lives. There you go. With that hourglass? Yes. I remember that. That's when I always knew it was nap time, yeah. like when I was a little kid. <laughs> well, I was watching probably when <laughs> you, you were You were napping. digging in on it. Yes. And there was a child psychologist named Marlena. And I remember thinking, I don't really know what that means, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> And then I think Isn't that I, funny how the Lord can like even use, use the days, days of, of our, our lives life. to plant a seed. Wild. Yes. <laughs> and I I was super involved with Young Life. I loved Young Life growing up. I had a lot of really neat mentors, but I think I became what I wish I'd had. Mm. Because I was the kid who smiled all the time, acted like everything was great. And I think now looking back, I wish somebody had said, Sissy, no one smiles all the time. There's got to be more going on in your life than you're talking about because I didn't talk about anything probably until I was in my 20s. And so I love where I work because it is really relational. I mean, we're in a yellow house and we have dogs on staff and I feel very connected to the kids that I get to meet with. And I still get to ask hard questions mm. and, and dig deeper into their laps. So I, I feel very blessed and grateful to be where I am. I, what, what was it you said you you became what you wished you yeah. had? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, isn't that a powerful motivation in life? Mm -hmm. It makes me think of, like, yes. my wife, Emily, like her childhood, like with her parents. Like, I, I talk about how my wife and I entered into our marriage, and I remember thinking, well, my parents have stayed together. I've had a very, like, you know, for all intents and purposes, a very healthy childhood, and... I feel like I can show us like how it's done mm. right yes. in some ways. And like I was a very, looking back, it was a very arrogant like thought <laughs> process and thinking, well, my wife had a difficult childhood, parents divorced at a young age, very, a lot of dysfunction that she would talk about. And, um, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll help her, show you know, like almost as if I would have more determination to make a marriage and a family work than she would somehow. Mm. Like, I don't think I ever would have verbalized that and didn't really think that, but it was, it was just a little holier than that. But you knew that. what it looked like more. Yeah. And what yeah. I've seen though is in 20 years of marriage was like her desire to create what she always needed mm. has been, it, there's like a fierce determination in that. That is a great description. And it must yes. be the same fierce determination that you that has led you to pursue this for 30 mm. years of speaking into the lives of kids, um, mine as well. Mm. And you have such a gift. I just want to start by like just thanking you for like the way that you create safe spaces for parents and kids mm. to, to have what you said maybe you didn't have as a kid where like generational differences mm -hmm. were and existed. You're totally right about mm -hmm. that. So to, to be paving that road for 30 years and to have all these kids feel a safe space when they come into your, to your yellow house and, and see your little dog. What's your dog's name? Lucy. Same kind of dog. I think yes, you have a habit. Yeah, the same too. dog. Yeah. Yours is a little more chill. She, well, she's 15 next month. I she's mean, old. But that's how I connected with Emily the first time on Instagram was about having Havanese. Really? Yes. Even before funny? we came to yes. see you. Yes. Oh, that's incredible. I know. Well, I've seen it firsthand. And even as a parent, like being able to come in and talk with you and go, well, like, how do we do better? And, I love your encouragement and what we're going to get to talk about today, encouraging the parents to do their own work. It's not about just, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, even Christian parents or whatever, it's like, oh, I'm going to sign my kid up to go to this Christian school. They'll get 
they'll get what they need there. Or I'm right. going to drop them off at church. They're going to get what they need there. But like right. the parents, you know, it's, it's a hypocritical way of life to take your kid to see a counselor and you don't do the work yourself. And I can be guilty of that as well. Like, cause it's not easy to rip band-aids off and go do the work on yourself. It's so painful. is, yeah. Talk about like the, what is it that keeps many parents and individuals from doing the hard work on themselves? Well, I, I think one of the things that I'm seeing right now is I, I mean, I believe parents have absolutely the best of intentions. Every parent I ever meet has the best of intentions with their kids. And, and I think part of what's happening is a little bit of where we can get tripped up in what we didn't have is that we can almost overcompensate for what we missed. And so I am seeing parents who are doing a beautiful job of getting their kids to talk about their feelings, sitting with those kids and their feelings, but they're not helping their kids work through the feelings. Because, because they haven't worked through their own? Because or? they haven't worked through their own or they feel like no one heard me and so that's the most important thing in this moment is just hearing my child instead of giving them coping strategies themselves. And so I think that I feel like when we're not, maybe this is not why we don't, but it's what it looks like when we don't. Yeah. When we don't do our work, we're living parenting out of having not done it and out of trying to make up for lost time kind of, which maybe that's why I'm doing what I do. But, but I think it feels like a, a kind of a narrow gap between trying to fill holes myself that weren't filled versus letting God redeem those. All right, I've put the dogs away while I record the podcast. Otherwise, they'd be absolutely interrupting our show. Uh, and instead, I get to interrupt our show by telling you about their favorite dog food. It's called Sundays and it's healthy and the dogs are happy it's easy to store and serve which makes me happy and it's very affordable which makes me super happy they've also got a new turkey recipe which is the most palatable recipe yet uh, my dogs love it they've got a ton of energy they're feeling really good in fact a lot of dog parents report noticeable health improvements in their pups including softer fur healthier skin and more energy I've noticed that in my dogs as well. This is air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients. Sundays is healthy, all right? It was co-founded by Dr. Tori Waxman, a practicing vet. It contains 90% real meat and 10% vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. Every recipe has digestive aids like pumpkin and ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. So if you want your dogs to be healthy, if you want to feel good about keeping them healthy, Sundays is the dog food that they're going to love. Sundays is shelf-stable, lightweight, easy to travel with if you're on the go. Every order ships right to your door, which is what I love. So you're never going to worry about running out of dog food again. Plus, get 20% off and free shipping on every subscription order. It costs 40% less than other healthy dog food brands, so you're saving money, and they don't waste money on shipping frozen packages. They spend money on what matters, sourcing the best all-natural ingredients for your dog. We've worked out a special deal for our dog-loving listeners of the Matthew West Podcast. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash west. Use the code west at checkout. You're going to get 35% off your first order. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash west. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food that you feed your dog. So when I think about like 
doing a good job of like sitting with my kiddo and like exploring what they're feeling and like I think of uh I might do a good job and then I'll race to try to just fix the feeling is that a is that a dude thing is that a guy thing <laughs> I definitely think dad's lean that direction a little bit yes but again like even that that comes out of the best of intentions you don't want her to be sad <laughs> See, you are so comforting because and I, I will say like I mean because I you know I think Parents, a lot of parents probably beat themselves up too, right? You More know, like, than ever. Yeah. Which what, what's really that sad. all about? <laughs> I think it's so many things. I mean, I think part of it is social media and comparing to other parents and all the things it looks like, all the time other parents are spending with their kids, all the amazing vacations they're doing, all the things. And I think, I mean, part of what I think the problem is right now is there are too many voices. I mean, here I am being one of them, but, but I feel like, I think it's Emily P. Freeman that says, stop collecting gurus. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But but there are so many different theories on raising kids that it's like you can feel overwhelmed and feel like you're failing because you're not doing what somebody said. Mm. So I always tell parents, pick one or two voices you trust and stick with those because that's all you need. Yeah. Well, the at the on the cover of your book, Emily Lee. I don't know Emily Lee. Right. She's Lay. she started a um, I bet. Your wife knows her. She started a planner company called Simplified. That's oh, okay. beautiful. Okay. Makes lots of beautiful things. Well, I loved what she she wrote an endorsement for your book, and it was a hundred percent. I endorse the endorsement. It says every <laughs> parent needs sissy golf in their corner because so that's how it feels mm. uh, that you are in their corner. Even like that. When I started to say, well, my tendency is to try to fix the feeling versus like, you know, is that an indication of like my own tendency in my own life. Cause I remember sitting with uh, Al Andrews one time, Love great, amazing counselor. Mm -hmm. And I was exploring with him how I had had uh, throat surgery and I went, I had to relearn like speaking and singing and all these things. Wow, and I, I did all this that. physical therapy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, occupational therapy, all the things. Yeah. And I had one more appointment to go to. And then I was going to, like, ring the proverbial bell that I was, you know, mm -hmm. back in the land of the living for musicians. And I didn't show up. Like, I didn't go. And I, I just was, like, in my mind, I was just, like, I'm better. I don't need to go to the lab. It was a weird thing. But we were unpacking this one day, and he talked about a term called a flight to health or something like that, where it was, wow. like, the tendency to just, like, your mind thinks you're better before your heart really is emotionally mm, yes, or like, and, that's good. and like physically I was mirroring that emotionally, which mm -hmm. I think is how I live a lot of times. So mm -hmm. my tendency is like when my daughter is like going through something, I'm just like, well, just like, just I'll, I'll call the parent. I'll just call the parent <laughs> or like this boy said that, uh, you know, I like, bet. Yes. I've never wanted to fight more middle schoolers <laughs> than when I'm a parent. <laughs> Sure. So how how do I stop doing? Precious By the way, girls. this isn't an interview. This is a this is a free counseling <laughs> session for me. Um, how how do we as parents, when you talk about doing our own work, what does that look like? Well, it's it's kind of divided up into starting with understanding because I think we've got to go back to our own childhoods. You know, every counselor says that on the planet, but <laughs> I do believe it's true. There, I talk about how I think. Our past hurts mixed with present pressure dictate future fear. Past hurts. Present pressure. Present pressure, future fear. And so I do think those voices, what our home was like when we were growing up, all those things add in. And 
I don't think there's ever been as much pressure on parents to get it right and to be perfect. I saw a billboard in town for a perfect parenting seminar, and I wanted to ram my car through the billboard. I was so <laughs> mad that that wouldn't even be a thing. It was called a it's perfect parenting yes. seminar? Yes. I mean, yeah. But I think, so I think it's kind of starting with the past, which is why I go there in the book, and then really having the tools to practically, in the moment, de-escalate. When kids, I mean, when kids are anxious, they are just and often getting angrier and angrier in the moment. And what a lot of parents will say to me is they were on this roller coaster and all of a sudden I locked myself in right behind them. And we were all screaming at each other because we were operating out of the amygdala, which is the fight or flight part of our brain, not the part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions. And so the work of what's the what's the frontal thing? Prefrontal cortex. Yeah, I don't think I have that. Does everybody have that? <laughs> Should I have that? You do. Huh. You do. I just don't use it very no, often. No, that is not true. Oh man, you use it a lot. Yes. So, uh, so the work in the moment. So the book is divided into understanding the past and help in the moment, and then also hope because I think, I think spiritually, I think from a deeper place emotionally, there is. Our faith is so important. And Melissa, our director, does all the Bible teaching in the summer to the kids at Hopetown, our little version of a summer camp. And she said one time, which I love this, she said that courage isn't the antidote to anxiety, but trust is. Mm. And I think trust transforms us. And when we can live in a place, when I can live more daily with trust in God in my life, when I can trust who he is and that what he wants for me, mm. I'm different. It doesn't mean I don't get anxious. And it certainly as a therapist. I know clinical anxiety changes the structure of your brain and you need therapy and sometimes you need medication. I mean, things like that. But I'm just talking daily. I'm anxious getting out the door and stressed out. You know, I just think it changes me. And I think there's a pressure in the, the when you talk about the pressure in the present, as a parent, like if your child's wrestling with anxiety or you, you do, you, that's where you'll start to beat yourself up to go like, what if, how have I contributed to that? And maybe those aren't bad questions to ask because those questions should lead to the desire to do more work on yourself. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. Because it's so interesting to think, I mean, I, f I always feel like raising children is like this very, um, unflattering at times mirror mm. in your life where you're like, okay, like, do I say what I, do I live what I say I believe? Like, do I encourage the things that I'm encouraging my, if I'm encouraging my daughter to trust, but I'm displaying the opposite of in my daily happenings, then mm -hmm. just the awareness of the walking contradiction that you can tend to be is, sometimes almost too much to bear and yes. therefore don't bear it, don't face it, which would mean avoid the hard work. Right. <laughs> right. And your kids pick up on it. Yeah. I mean, they know. They know. Yeah. They're pretty smart, aren't they? They are really smart. They're really intuitive. When you, when you have kids come and sit with you, like, could, is it more like the reason for you writing this book? Was it hearing from parents more or was it, your experience counseling kids and seeing how mom and dad could really help contribute more positively. 
both, <laughs> yeah. I think. Maybe more from parents. I mean, really, in 30 years of doing the work, I've never heard as many parents feel really discouraged and defeated and feel Just like they're, they're failing they're not their kids. knocking it out of the park. Yeah, they're not doing what they feel like they should do. And, and I don't think that's true. I mean... I, uh, Dan Allender, who is one of Al Andrews' mentors, he's a psychologist, he says good parents get it right 50% of the time. That's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for a higher average. No, 50%. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the pressure is just too much because I feel like parents now are aiming for 150%, and it's there's just no way. And and then get so anxious that they're not even present with their kids in the moment. Yeah. I think that reads my mail a little bit. Because how to be, you know, it's like I want a better life for them. I want to do a better job for them. Or right. It's funny. We had a moment. We were on vacation last week. We went to the beach. And we were having a great dinner. And then, like, something, like, switched. And it was just, like, this moment where girls yes and i and then i reacted it's one of the things that i notice a lot is it's like there may be an issue that arises that we're trying to deal with but then the way that i as a parent respond to said issue becomes the bigger issue (laughs) (laughs) can you help me with that (laughs) do you know what i'm saying though yes we're like because i can't like keep my cool or because Mm -hmm. i respond too harshly or don't let them feel the feelings then the issue gets derailed into even more yeah (laughs) i don't even know if that's a question other than just telling you that happened Yes, I think it happens to every parent on the planet. And I think in those moments, really, to be able to stop yourself, because whether it's that you make a comment that you regret making or try and fix something, or even you get mad at your kids trying to get out the door to get to school on time. I mean, any of those things in that moment are because you want good things for your kids. You want them to get to school on time so they don't get their fifth tardy and then get Saturday school and miss the birthday party or... You're worried about the comment that one of them made at dinner that means maybe they're missing something that you're hoping they're learning right Mm. now. Or maybe they're not seeing that somebody's not a good friend to them. And I think when we can back up and say, and this is really a cognitive behavioral therapy strategy, when we can flip the thought and instead of, oh, I blew it again, okay, I really wanted good things for them at that dinner. And I went sideways a little bit and said something I didn't mean. But I think to go back and say that, y'all, I want so many good things for you. And sometimes out of my desire to want good things, I trip myself up and I just did it. And that was a blooper for sure. So can we try again? Yeah, I feel like if I can be as if I'm going to be quick to like, (laughs) Um, you know, mishandle a situation or react too harshly. I want to be that much quicker to the apology. Yes. And it's your uh, Dan's facts. Uh-huh. I don't know if those are facts about 50% of the time. That's really discouraging. But like, <laughs> but that would explain what does it mean to, uh, I was reading through, it says admit failure and no mm-hmm. grace. That's mm-hmm. one of the, the chapters you talk about. So yeah. is it about admitting failure like, in front of your kids? Yes, both. Yeah. In front of your kids and yourself. Before like the Lord, I blew yeah. it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. God forgives me 
He loves me. He's not seeing that and holding it against me. And like when we model that, like our discovery of like we're seeking grace from like, what does that show to our child? Well, I think like I've never seen parents feel as much pressure. I'd certainly have never seen kids feel as much pressure. I mean, I am blown away by the amount of kids who say, you know, I can't even make a 98. I have to make 110 on whatever it is. I mean, this this sense of I've got to do everything right, and girls in particular. And so mm. I think when you can model failure and say, I had to ask God's forgiveness, or, man, I am so grateful for grace today. You know, whatever it is we're saying in light of that, I think it not only helps them see God's goodness and his love for us, but it helps them be okay with their humanity and fallenness too. Because they see you. You mess up too, and you're their hero, even when they're at an age where you don't feel like they're Where you don't feel like it, but you still are. They just can't say it out loud right now. They can't. Why can't they? (laughs) Too much pride. Too much. I think think adolescents feel so awkward with intimacy with their parents. Yeah. That's just through the roof. And so saying something vulnerable like that to you, they just couldn't do it right now. It's so funny because there's like, I I remember, again, like I think sometimes you, foolishness is arrogance and vice versa. And like a lot, it's just like I used to think, oh, I'm. God's gift to Emily to show her what a healthy marriage looks like. I would, I would always see like parents when their kids were a certain age, like they, you know, had this, they demonstrated this inability to show affection or or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not cool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, my relationship with my daughters is going to be so much deeper than that. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then it's like, here comes the side hug and you're like, oh, (laughs) Oh, like you think you can't escape. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some things you can't escape. So when Mm -hmm. you talk about like, um, accepting failure and demonstrate and like receiving God's grace in that, but also showing an example of that. You also talk about modeling bravery is that yeah. there's bravery in accepting failure. Messed up. What are some of yeah. the other ways that we can model bravery for our kids? Well, I think to, to do things that make you nervous for you to say, I played the biggest show I've ever played and my knees were shaking. I don't know if that happens to you, but, you know, for them to hear that you come up against things that scare you and you move forward anyway, I think is so good for them. Because again, Mm. I mean, I think in this world, kids not only expect that everything should go right all the time, but they should perform right all the time. And there should be no glitches. You know, the The John 16, 33 of in this world, you'll have trouble, but take art I've overcome the world. I think they don't think I should have trouble. They think in this world, everything should go the way I think it's going to and want it to. And so to hear that you're hitting hard spaces and still working through it, I think is reminding them that resilience is possible Mm. and that they can do hard things too. That's good. Guys, I get to tell you about the NIV Bible for Men. It's new from the Zondervan Bible Publishers. It's designed to help you connect with your identity in Christ. You guys know I write a lot of songs about the topic of identity because it is so important to make sure that our identities are firmly rooted in who God says we are. And the NIV Bible for Men is going to help you do just that. They've got some really unique features like myth articles that expose commonly accepted myths of our culture and refute them with God's word. Profiles of men and women of the Bible, so you go deeper into the character study. Notes that offer clarity into the attributes of God, so knowing who you are, where does that begin? 
It begins outside of yourself by knowing who God is. Questions for growth that you can answer alone, with a friend, or in a small group. Bibles offer the knowledge, strength, and clarity to navigate life's challenge with Scripture as your guide. It's available in hardcover or leather soft style, so it could be a great gift for uh, the men or man in your life. Find out more and order your copy at amazon.com slash rooted and flourish. That's amazon.com slash rooted and flourish. I feel like there's also, it's never been harder because there's never been, I mean, it just feels like there's never been more things to worry about. Yes. Like just in, you know, and I worry, I worry about that. <laughs> That's the right. irony is like, I worry about, I remember as a kid, Again, like my mom and my dad, I was a preacher's kid. And I remember my parents thinking they were shielding me from the drama going on at the church at any particular time. Like I can remember them, like hearing them, like having conversations about like, you know, we're doing a good job keeping the kids out of the fray or whatever. Mm. But like no matter how hard they might try, like I was way more perceptive than they thought I was. And then sometimes I forget that my daughters likewise, like no matter how much we might try to shield them from, especially in our world right now. And it's like, you even, it's just like, wait, what masks again? Or, right. or you know what I mean? Like all that we've been through, I can't yes. imagine what you've had to help navigate kids through and their parents as well, just through the, the last three years. It's mm. been, I mean, we've said the word unprecedented and, and unprecedented amount of times. Yeah. But then when you look ahead at like the world, it's just like there are times where I, I myself am just overcome by like, okay, the the stock market, that's scary. And the, you know, oh, shows might get, you know, work might get shut down. That's scary. Like you're trying to yeah. like, you can't school even shield yourself. In our school shootings in our neighborhood. Right. I mean, when it hits close to home like that, yeah. and you're just like, "How do we?" You think you might be shielding your kids, but then there's just moments where you realize one, they're more perceptive than we would give them credit for, and two, there is no way to shield them yeah. from the like you just said. Like, and I know, and that's something that really came close to home in Nashville with mm -hmm. the Covenant school shooting. Right. Like, there's no way those parents of those kids in the school or in mine, you know, when I find out our school's on lockdown, cause it's we just were just a few miles away, a few miles away. Mm -hmm. And evidently our school was possibly one of the targeted, you know, it's like, you know, your kids know that right? your kids know what's going on. I'll never yeah. forget in my daughter, Lulu's seventh grade, first week of seventh grade, one of her classmates committed suicide. And that was a moment where I realized I can't, there's no like shielding. There's no sugarcoating. There's mm. no hiding mm -hmm. my kids' eyes away from this. Mm. Like, how do we? And I'm just as troubled as they are, and they're gonna see that in me. Right. You know what I mean? And there's, yeah, I guess there's, I guess there's uh, influence in showing vulnerability to our kids. Yes. Maybe that goes back to the failure part of it as well. Like, it's maybe not the worst thing if they see us struggling to deal with. No. A suicide or a school shooting or. And not to have answers that yeah. we, I mean, we don't have answers for those kinds of things. And, and I think they see through platitudes. If we try to throw platitudes their way. They're and, not buying it. No, no. And at the same time, 
I mean, I think it is so good for kids to hear, I feel helpless. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't understand this either. And to hear what, what brings you peace in the midst of it or what brings you hope? Because I think it is so good for their parents to hear, for kids to hear that their parents are vulnerable. And at the same time, I think it can, kids can sometimes interpret that as now I'm supposed to take care of my parents and I can't feel whatever I'm feeling. And so that that is a delicate balance to be vulnerable, but but for them to still know that you're okay. Even be, when you don't yeah. feel okay. You not know? not void of hope and not void of like, hey, I'm struggling with this, but I'm here's where I'm putting my trust. Right. Like you said exactly. Mm. Or I don't even know where to put my trust, but you know what? We're gonna pray together right now. Yes. Or we're gonna find some kind of truth we can hang on to together for the next week. Because that's the only answer I have. Not rushing to make up the answers. No, no, exactly. Which I think is another tendency for if parents are anything like me, you know, it's just like, you know, figure out a solution as quickly as possible. Right. And it's just like, that's not always, that's not always possible. No. So no. what is the hope for the future? Cause I know the book moves from Pat, like encouraging the parents to do the hard work, looking at your own past, the why of your wiring and what makes you, you, mm-hmm. what makes you handle situations the way you handle them. Mm-hmm. Then you said the pressure of the present. Present, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay. Yes. So we've talked about the pressure of the present and the things that we're dealing with. Yes. And the importance of displaying vulnerability mm-hmm. that leads to trust. Mm-hmm. And being with them in it. And being with them present. in it. Mm-hmm. Admitting our failures in the present. Yeah. And emulating yeah. the what the discovery of freedom and grace looks like. Yes. That's good. Yes. Is there any hope for the future, though? Can you just help us? Is, yes. Is there, or is it hopeless? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I think it's it is it is hard and good to move from talking about the covenant school to talking about that. I mean, it it feels impossible. And I think going back to that idea that courage isn't the antidote to anxiety, but trust is. You know, I think courage feels dependent on us. And trust feels dependent on somebody bigger than us. And that's good. And when when the Covenant School shooting happened, we, I because we have spoken at Covenant a million times. We have a lot of Covenant families at Daystar, and so by the time I got to work that day, several staff members were already on their way to do whatever they could. And so I ended up down there, and I mean, just because of a kind of random series of events, I ended up doing some media stuff that night on how to talk to your kids about this. And then was asked to go to talk to CNN the next morning, which I'd never talked to CNN before. Hmm. And I somehow thought I was going to some studio and didn't realize it was, you know how they put correspondence on the lawn across from the White House? Yeah. Well, that's how they were. I don't know if you drew it. Right outside of Covenant. Right outside of Covenant. Yeah. I didn't know I was going there and I hadn't driven by until that happened. And Catherine Coates was a dear friend. And so I drove down there that morning and I was talking to myself, like when I pulled in, don't cry, don't cry got out of the car, go over, and there are these huge cameras, and it wasn't even a person interviewing me. I was talking to somebody on headphones in Atlanta, and I was just a nervous wreck, Mm. and it was cold, and I didn't think about March in Nashville, still cold, and when I get cold, my kneecaps shake, and my kneecaps were shaking, and I was just so nervous and intimidated, 
And so I just thought, just turn around. Just stop thinking about this and turn around. And I turned around, and there was the covenant sign. And next to it was their sign announcing the Easter services at their church. And I thought, that's it. I don't know what to say. We have nothing to say about what has been the darkest day that I ever remember in our city other than this is not our darkest day. Like, our darkest day doesn't define us, you know. And so I think when we can go back to those places, when there's no other answer, our darkest days, whatever your darkest days right now look like listening, that's not what defines you. As a person, as a parent, it's not what defines your kids. And we have hope and trust we can lean into because of Easter, because of who God is and because of his love for us. And and I think that, to me, on the hardest days, sometimes that's all we have to cling to. I, Frederick Beekner is my favorite author, mm-hmm. and he has a quote that says, in the end, the commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, becomes more a promise than a command. Hmm. Because in the end, he is all we have. That's it's so good. so beautiful, and it feels true on those days. Well, I feel like what you're, you're with every word you're speaking, like, it's this exhale of like, it's a message of, it's like letting somebody who's listening to this right now, just like take a deep breath, which I think is how people feel when they sit with you Mm. and you know, our daughter, my wife and I of just this kind of like, there's grace, Mm. there's grace and there's hope and there's like, okay, all right. You, you, maybe you feel like you've messed it up as a parent. Maybe you feel like, you know, maybe you feel like you've had a bad day a bad moment, maybe you feel like you've had a bad handful of years and you yeah. just, you, you feel like you failed as a parent. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're speaking a message to every single one of us going like, Hey, there's this just is not the end. This is not the end. There is hope. Mm-hmm. And, and like, to, and here are some tangible next steps you can take yeah. to become the best version of yourself yes. as a parent, right? As a follower of Christ mm-hmm. and uh, as an example for your kids. Hey, I wonder if you need to supercharge your hiring. If you do, well, you need Indeed. Uh, If you're like me and uh, you got a lot of stuff going on, you need to find some great people to add to your team. You don't have a lot of time to spend searching. Where do you begin? You begin at Indeed. Indeed makes it easy. They streamline the whole hiring process. It's an unbelievably powerful hiring platform, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. 2913. Over 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed. So why aren't you? They streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. And instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. And that's what I love. You're able to hire and find the right people fast. And you're also able to save money in the process. Here's how. The only job site that where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements, that's Indeed. No other job site offers that. So you're saving money and you're finding the right people to add to your team. Join more than 3 million businesses that use Indeed. Start hiring now with a $75 job credit, sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 job credit now at Indeed.com slash West. Again, Indeed.com slash West. And support the show by saying that you heard about it on the Matthew West podcast. Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The book is called 
the worry-free parent living in confidence so your kids can too. And basically the encouragement is um, don't just drop your kid off to to fix themselves. Mm. It's it's don't be afraid and don't shy away from doing the hard work on ourselves. Yeah. And we'll discover God's grace when we do that. The very yes. things that we are afraid to do are where the breakthroughs are bound to come. And where the freedom is. And where the freedom is. Because mm. where the break- breakthrough is is where the freedom is. Each chapter has some really cool worry-free takeaways as well. So I love that it's it's not a workbook. There is a workbook that goes with it. But there you go. Yeah. So you can buy the book and buy- the workbook. Mm-hmm. And then it has these worry-free takeaways that you can uh, kind of add to your your journal. Like I love this one just here from, uh, which chapter am I, did I open to? But it says worry-free takeaways. Number one, I believe your gut outside of your faith in God is the most important tool you have as a parent. Number two, quiet the voice of worry. Number three, be in the moment. Number four, pray. Number five, listen. Number six, keep trusting. Number seven, God speaks most directly to you about your life and about the lives of your kids. So just great little like, okay, what have you just read? I'm the kind of person that can read something and then just completely forget everything. So like these <laughs> calls too. to action mm-hmm. and the the workbook's available as well. Yes. Everywhere the book is available. Yes. Okay. Is there a certain website you like to point people to or do you just send them to Amazon? Anywhere. Amazon or local bookstore. You know, like I, I guess Amazon accounts for like over 60% of all book sales. I believe it. Is that where you find most people are buying I think books? So. All mm-hmm. 13 of your books? <laughs> Do you have a favorite book of the 13? Let me guess. Is it the newest one? <laughs> Probably. Because that's what I say when I talk about my music. Like, what's your favorite? Well, the, the newest one. Duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then people are like, no, that's not my favorite. I'm like, oh, you crushed me. <laughs> but this is my favorite of yours. <laughs> Thank I love you. them all equally. <laughs> Thank um, you. Daystar Counseling is in Nashville, and that's where Sissy has served faithfully for 30 years and no signs of slowing down anytime <laughs> soon. But you've also taken your message uh, beyond the borders of Nashville. Um, and I love that, like, of all people that they could get to speak in the wake of the Covenant shooting, that they would put you on CNN. Like, that's, that is awesome. And I love that you're, it seems like your voice, as your experience, like, has been gained, like, your voice has been given, like, a louder and louder megaphone. Mm. Have you noticed Thank that you. happening, like, in even more recently than... In years yes. past, I mean, you've always yes. faithfully served one kiddo at a time. Mm-hmm. But what is it like now to be going? You've got a podcast that's reaching so many people called "Raising Boys and Girls" uh, with David Thomas, who's another counselor at Daystar, right? Yes. So the two of you have this podcast. Is it every week? It is every week, sometimes twice a week. And my wife and I have been guests. On you it. have. We didn't, we, yes. we didn't feel it. We felt ill-equipped to be on the. Y'all podcast, were amazing, but we enjoyed it very much. I loved it. I so, quoted you after it for a long time. Wow, mm-hmm. just like old Freddie Buchner. Sto- no, <laughs> just like <laughs> no, great stories you told. I, we loved being a part of it. So, what day of the week is that podcast? Tuesdays. So everybody can listen to the raising. So I love this. Like you've got all these different ways to step into people's story and mm-hmm. and help guide. It's, you're not just saying, "Hey, go go do the work on." yourself don't be lazy you're saying that i'm here to like uh like this endorsement of your books that every parent needs sissy goff in their corner you're making yourself available to be in families and parents and kids corners Mm. doing that with the raising boys and girls podcast and then you went on a tour recently yes and this is like a 
kind of like how musicians would I go know, on tour, I don't right? know how you do Were it. Were you on a bus? No, thankfully. Oh, we, you weren't? No. Oh, we had, then you didn't go on tour. You don't think? I don't think. Okay. No, so what, what I don't was know it? how you do a bus, though. Oh, it's, how do you I, sleep? I don't sleep. I oh, sleep terribly. I it's, bet. It's, people think it's like something glamorous, but I've never slept well on a bus. But when I come home off the road, oh. Exhausted. It's like a bear going into hibernation. I'm sure. Oh, I'm just out. I'm sure. So, but let's talk about your tour. Okay. You and David went on tour together. We did four cities in four days. The Raising Boys and Girls mm-hmm. podcast, Live podcast tour. podcast tour, yes. And you did an episode? We did an episode in each city. We did a talk on the book for 45 minutes and then took a break and then did a, a uh, Live episode. taping. Live taping. I, I saw you city. had Dave Barnes. Yes. And, and his Annie. wife, Annie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then we had Annie Downs. Oh, who's and amazing. We had Sophie Hudson and Melanie Shankle. I don't know if you know them. Okay. They're hilarious. And then we had Hope Hills, Catherine and Jay Wolf. Yes. Who are wonderful. Incredible. And so yes. which cities did you go to? We started here, which I did not want to oh, do because I was nervous. <laughs> no, it was not fun. Oh, you didn't like the Nashville one? I mean, they were so kind and it went fine. But I just would have loved to have started with people I didn't know because we were oh, nervous. Oh, okay. I see. Then we went to Birmingham, then Atlanta, then Charlotte. Okay. And are there more to come? I think so. It was. It, you felt like it was a good. It was really fun. Is it, I mean, it's exhausting, but it's really fun because you I, show up at the venue at one o'clock and you don't get to. Leave. I mean, you drive straight there and you don't leave. Yeah. And you, normally, we do these little speak at a church and we'll go to our hotel room for a while and go grab food <laughs> and then go to the venue and talk for two hours and leave. But yeah, it's not like that. No, it's more involved. It's all consuming. It is. We always talk about how it's funny. I was talking with, um, in a Bible study, uh, Tim, you know, Tim Hasselbeck and Elizabeth. I Hasselbeck. love Elizabeth. She's a dear friend. So yeah. well, Tim and I, we always talk about, it's funny how similar our lives are, but he's in the sports world yes. and he, he does like play by play for college football. Right. And so we had a Bible study the other night and it was like, he said, he's not going to be home on a, like a weekend until February or something like, wow. but his, him going and doing these games resembles a lot of like our touring because I'll be gone. Like, and we were just kind of both talking about the challenges and, but he said something that I totally agree with is like, he would do the game for free. It's like the traveling that he gets paid for. That and I feel like as I had a musician say to me, is like, I play the show for free. You're mm-hmm. paying me to travel. And I was like, that is the yes. truth because that whole part is exhausting. And then when yes. you're on stage getting to pour into people. It's fun. So there's going to be more to come. You more think? to come. And mm-hmm. did the, you find the parents just come. Is it for the parents or the whole family? For the parents. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the parents are just coming thirsty, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're just getting to pour into like multiple. Yes. Oh, that's so Which awesome. so fun. Well, I'm so yeah. excited for uh, all that God's you. doing through your platform, the way you've spoken thank into the West family. And, uh, you know, we're just one of countless families that oh, you y'all have. Y'all are a special one. Well, you've, but you've pointed, you know, our children towards, um, towards the healthiest version of themselves mm, and, 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 and reminding them who they are in Christ and, and then encouraging the parents, like moms and dads, like we need this reminder. And these are good reminders to go, hey, don't forget to do the hard work on yourself. You only get one shot at this life. I always mm-hmm. end every episode by saying like, hey, you get one shot. Don't don't waste it. Like mm-hmm. it's your story for God's glory. What does it look like? And if we really want our stories to give God glory, but we're never willing to like hand over some of the messier parts of our stories, whether it's our childhood or right. anxiety that we struggle with or whatever the messes are that we have, if our mm-hmm. kids never see us dealing with 
our messes, mm-hmm. then uh, then we're falling short of setting the right kind of example for them. So thank you for the encouragement to do that mm-hmm. and reminding us that there's hope for the future and hope for parents to help raise their kids up right. So thank you so much for being here. Congrats thank on the you, new book. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. 13 books, 13 more to come, I'm sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, sissy. Thank you. So I was thinking about my conversation with Sissy Goff, and um, it brought me back to a song that I wrote the night before my oldest daughter, Lulu, was born. And... Um, I don't know why, just these words came back to me. And so for songs from the story house, I'm going to play a little bit of this song that I wrote for my kiddo. And I don't know, there was so much grace that Sissy spoke to a dad and a mom and parents who just are like, am I doing it right? You know, or, you know, I don't want to mess up my kid, you know, and I, and maybe that's why I just made my mind travel back to before, my girls were even born and just even the pressure that I felt then. Um, but to realize the answer to my prayers that they are. And then just, I don't know, there's just uh, hopefully this, I don't know, I just see this song now in the light of God's grace and just uh, what my prayer was before my daughters were born and uh, what my prayers are now as I get to walk with them through life. So let's travel back to uh, before we headed into the delivery room. And this was on my heart. Can't believe you're here now. Tiny dream come true. The answer to prayer now. I'm so in love with you. Couldn't wait to meet you. Hope you like your name. I get the funny feeling life will never be the same. Safe and sound, you're here with me now, like I hoped you'd be. Safe and sound, you're here with me now, and that's all I'll ever need. The world's a scary place here, but baby, it's all right. I'll make sure the coast is clear so you can just sleep tight. But if you're afraid of monsters like everybody is, oh, I'll be right beside you, closer than a kiss. Safe and sound, I'm here with you now. You will always be. Safe and sound, I'm here with you now. That's all you ever need. And someday I'm gonna teach you the reason why we pray, so that heaven's love may reach you every single day. So, baby, close your eyes now, say a prayer with me. Lord, I lay me down to sleep now, and I know I will be safe and sound. You're here with us now, and we will always be safe and sound. Lord, you're here with us now, 
That's all we'll ever, all we'll ever need. He's my dad. He gives good advice. And so we're closing out today's show with his own segment called Dad Advice. And we'll prove it by playing his theme song right now. He's my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. All right, Dad, thanks for joining me at the Story House today. All right. You want to send us out with some words of wisdom, or do you have a dad joke first? Yeah, I can start with a dad joke. And right. I, I love coming to the studio and being on camera. I, it's cool, right? I hope uh, they're getting my good side, yeah. if there is one. Yeah. Uh, here we go. This will make everyone laugh. I might have to do two, though. Who helps the little pumpkins cross the road to school? The crossing gourd. Yeah. And I used gourd before. Yeah. How do you fix a broken pumpkin with a pumpkin patch? Come on. That's good. People are cracking up right now. Yeah. All right. I want us to think about um, the words you can't outgive God. And uh, just a few words from your song, My Story, Your Glory. It says, Now the story of me is a story of grace, fingerprints of mercy on every page. We all have a story, and if we allow God to write our story, it will bring him glory. Let's take a quick look at two stories. The first one is from the Bible, John 6, 9. The little boy with five loaves and two fishes. There were 5,000 hungry men plus their families, and Jesus told the disciples, feed them. And the disciples said, how in the world are we going to do that? Mm. And then one of the disciples speaks up and said, there's a lad here that has five loaves and two fishes. What's remarkable to me, even just as remarkable of Jesus multiplying, of course, what a miracle, but the little boy willing to give his five loaves and two fishes. That's, that's hard for any of us, especially a younger boy or girl. Uh, you ask them for something, and they might hesitate in, in giving you something. So that little boy, five loaves, two fishes, didn't hesitate and gave his lunch for a miracle. The second is Barb's story. It's a story of God's provision. Barb was a single mom and an avid tither in in our church in, in Downers Grove years and years ago. She kept a notebook with three columns, one for what she gave God, one for what she needed, and the price it would cost. The third column was where she recorded when God met that need and what it cost, if anything. At the end of each year, she would tally each column and then report that God had outgiven her again. That's a great story. Uh, yeah, isn't it? It just, uh, I am not so much to our surprise. God has a way of outgiving us, but he loves it when we give. What can we learn from these three stories? The boy and Barb. One, be generous. Be intentional. Intentional. Give liberally. Luke 6.36, Jesus said, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be poured into your lap. 
For what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, Matthew, do you remember the commercial? I don't know if they do it now, but it was a Geico commercial with, with a man with alligator arms. We've all seen the yeah. commercial. I don't think it's been viewed recently, but they have just finished dinner, and the waiter presents the bill, and the man who attempts to grab it has can't that. because he has alligator arms, which signifies that he actually was not generous and had no intention to pay the bill. Yeah. And then, uh, Matthew, you know that uh, you remember your cousin Brian, and he awesome missionary for years to uh, the country of Senegal, and he told us that there's a word for people who will not give, and translated from the Wolof language, the word is amul loho. Amul loho literally means no arms, a person with no arms. Let's be generous with God and with others and not be known as people with no arms, but instead give joyfully. And giving and reaching out to others is, is a hard discipline, and uh, our nature is to take care of ourselves. But Jesus gives us insight that if we learn to give, that's the best way of getting our needs met. Two, God will meet your needs and go above and beyond. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes, a tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord, uh, Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a great blessing until there is no more room to receive it. Proverbs 28, 27, if you give to the poor, your needs will be supplied. Philippians 4, 19, and the same God who takes care of me, this is Paul, in prison, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. My dad advice today, listen carefully, is stop and realize that you all, you, that all you have is because of God's blessings. So give thanks. Then begin to see the needs of others and be intentional to listen to God and give accordingly. If you've never considered tithing or you've been tempted to stop because of your needs, let this advice remind you that you can't outgive God never. Thank God for that little boy and for Barb. That's great. Thanks, Dad. All right, guys, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Sissy Goff. Be sure to check out her latest book wherever you get books. There's also a workbook that you can get to go along with it. I highly recommend it. It's called The Worry-Free Parent Living in Confidence So Your Kids Can Too. I want to thank her for encouraging us parents to do, to do the hard work on ourselves. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. There's power in our stories, but when we hold back certain chapters of our stories for fear of what others may think or what God might think, well, we rob ourselves of the opportunity of discovering true freedom in our stories. And uh, whatever it is that we're doing in our lives, whether we're pursuing a career, a ministry, raising kids, our marriage, like when we're doing all of that void of freedom in our own lives, we're never going to find true fulfillment. So uh, I just want to thank Sissy for her example that she set and encourage you to check out this book, The Worry-Free Parent. With that, go make the most of the one shot you get. Thank you all so much for the support week in and week out. It's your story for his glory, and I will see you next week.